So, Berto, I have a bunch of emails that we should answer. What do you say, Berto? Ooh, sounds fun. This is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I'm a therapist and a professor. My name is Umberto Castaña, and I'm an MLP community agitator. So, anonymous upper tier patron, they write, should a person feel guilty about getting the vaccine? I'm a healthy work-from-home person. I know that I know and have accepted I won't be eligible for the vaccine anytime soon. I am over the moon whenever a friend or family member is able to get one, but no matter how elated I am for them, there is still a tiny feeling of envy in the bottom of my stomach. I've read a number of articles on vaccine envy, and the takeaway in most seems to be you shouldn't feel that way. Should a person feel guilty for experiencing vaccine envy? Berto, what do you think? <laughs> That's such a great question, man. First of all, no, not too much. I mean, uh, as far as the envy is concerned. By the way, there's the opposite phenomenon, which I'm suffering from, which is horrible. I think it's way worse, which is uh, red red coat or, uh, yeah, what was the red shirt syndrome. I want the red shirts to go first. Isn't that horrible of me? Isn't that way more horrible of me? That I want more and more people to get the vaccine to make sure that it is okay before I get it. <laughs> Doesn't that make me a monster? Um, so I think both extremes are a little extreme. So in my case, I am afraid a little bit that because I've had some health issues over the last year and stuff like that, I'm worried. I'm like, am I going to react okay to it? I probably am. Do I want to get it? Absolutely. But still, I'm, I'm somewhat nervous. But I'm not in anyone's list right now. I'm, I'm like so far down the line. Uh, so do I feel envy? I am certainly... I'm certainly starting to feel a little bit of, oh, that's cool. They can now do more stuff. At the same time, they have to still be careful because they could still be carriers and things. Uh, but I have had the opposite feeling of like, well, the longer time goes by, the more the vaccine will be vetted. And therefore, the probably the safer it is for me to take, which is, you know, again, putting everyone else in front of me. It's, it's not a cool thing. Uh, so I, I wouldn't feel that guilty about it. At the same time, uh, you know, you might want to work on some some meditation techniques that that make you feel more empathy for everyone else and more love for everyone else but yeah. i am throwing bricks in glass houses yeah uh, so the definition of envy is you want something that someone else has so you have vaccine envy you ha you f you have a feeling of they got the vaccine and i want it it's a totally rational feeling <laughs> Because so much hangs on whether or not you get vaccinated or not. It, it literally is the, a difference between potential life and death, one. And less importantly, but still very important, it could make the difference between you being able to live a normal life, go back to work, see your parents, and being isolated in a pandemic. So to have envy for someone else who has a vaccine is... 100% rational. If you didn't have envy, I would think there was something <laughs> wrong with you. Why yeah. would you not be envious of other people that had the vaccine? Because right. everything depends on this, man. Like, we all need to be getting this thing. Yeah. Because One, we need to do it fast because the variance, you know, it's always mutating. And we need to, if, if, if we do this right and we do it effectively and we do it enough, imagine a world in which this never comes back. The whole, right. uh, you know, SARS-CoV-2 virus never exists in the human population again. Imagine that. Or imagine a world in which it's 
continually a part of our lives because and it's flaring be, up and because we have enough to lock people down. yeah because and we regularly have to lock down for yeah. months at a time for the rest Ugh. of our existence. Because so, that's the other thing, is it keeps mutating if there's more carriers. Yes. So we need everyone to get vaccinated. <laughs> so if you don't have, it's almost, you're, you're almost an irresponsible human if you don't have vaccine envy. Anyway, anonymous separatist patron, she says, any advice for couples or relationships approaching conversations? Oh, I should say, I'm not a medical professional. So I'm just a lay person uh, telling everyone on this podcast what my medical professional is telling me. So I, I can't, you know, validate it professionally. I'm just telling you what my opinion is based on what epidemiologists, scientists, and medical professionals are telling me. <clears throat> Anonymous upper tier patron, she says, any advice for couples or any relationships approaching conversations around differences in COVID views? <laughs> My partner and I have been dating for four <laughs> months. More or less, we agree on things. We believe in mass, etc. But we have some minor differences. I'm okay with going out to outdoor dining with people in my pod, but he is not. I would like us to make a mini trip and stay in an Airbnb. He said he would feel weird about it. When I mentioned some safety measures we could take, he changed the subject. I don't think he's in the wrong. It's a deadly pandemic, and even though we're both in our 20s and healthy, you never know... He feels a lot of anger and frustration when people do things he wouldn't want to do. Part of the problem is, I think he's essentially right, but I can't help wanting more and feeling about shut down and on eggshells. Any advice? Berto, what do you think? Yeah, man. Totally relate to this one. First of all, I ran through these, these moments uh, last year where, uh, you know, when the, when the pandemic was f- first starting... I, I had been listening to a couple of YouTube channels that were on, on the ball. They were like, yep, Wuhan's in trouble. This is going to be serious. So I was like, oh, man, I got to prepare. I went, in, I went online, bought a, a pack of N95 masks, and I, w- I, wouldn't, I was starting to like stock up on stuff. And, and then when it actually started hitting hard, and you know, the, the first outbreak was two blocks from where I live at a retirement home. So I was like, okay, this is serious. I'm locking down. And I absolutely was incensed because I would see people just not taking it seriously, not taking it seriously. And then a little time went by. And I mean, months went by. Months went by. And then the summer hit. And I remember in the summer, uh, folks started getting a little more lax. And then it was like, you know, my mom wanted to see me. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, I want to see my mom too. But, and I, started, I noticed I started making exceptions. And at first I was really struggling and upset with myself. Why, why am I making exceptions? And why am I accommodating for this person? And blah, blah, blah. At the same time, I told myself, man, you got you to gotta take it a little easy. Like, yes, technically speaking, if you want to be perfectly protected, you, you're going to want to lock down, probably get air, uh, like air filters. Ever, like, who knows? Like, just go crazy. Go, uh, what's the, the Hughes, the, uh, the, the guy who is germaphobe, uh, the billionaire? And Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes, yeah. But, but then I thought, okay, at the same time, I have, to, I have to retain some aspects of my life. And so am I going to take some risks here? And it's, it's a personal thing, right? I had to balance the risks. Well, what do you do uh, when you disagree with your, you know, you're in a relationship and there's a disagreement? Yeah, absolutely. So, for example, I have a friend that 
wanted to keep getting because we used to get together uh four, four of us would come over and watch dumb movies together and it was very fun and he wanted to keep doing it uh and really thought we were being unreasonable because i think the other three of us didn't want to do it and he and he got upset about it like i don't know like it was really weird like he he was like i can't believe you guys are falling for the you know the rhetoric or whatever um and i i just i had to as painful as it was i had to choose my safety over being friendly with that person and you know we don't talk as much now we certainly i haven't seen that person since this thing started uh, now that one isn't someone that I live with, so that w- that made it a little easier. So the other example is uh, over the holidays. Over the holidays, we had this tense situation. My brother was coming up to visit, and uh, he was going to stay for the holidays up here at my place. And I was like, "Oh man, okay." <laughs> but you know what? He got he got tested. Him and his uh, his wife got tested beforehand, so that added reassurances. Um, and, and to make matters worse, I didn't get tested. So then they ended up being the ones taking a risk. Like at first I was paranoid and then they ended up being the ones taking a risk because I actually didn't end up getting tested. Now it was harder for me to get a test, but whatever, long story short. And then all, all of us ended up seeing my mom and, uh, come to find out she had been to a social event. So we were negotiating these things. And at one point my brother's wife sort of laid down the laws like, well, we can't go see your mom if they're going to go to this other event, like this other house and see these other people. And it got really tense because we're like, well, we got to, this is during Christmas. We're like, we got to go see our mom. But then part of me in my mind is going, but they're not wrong. She's not wrong. And then the other part going, but it's my mom. Um, And then, you know, what we ended up doing is we had a phone call with my mom where we really asked pointed questions. Who was there? How many people? Were you wearing masks? All these things. In the end, it was still a bit of a risk, but I think in different circumstances, we would have just not had that conversation because it's an awkward conversation. You're questioning someone like, where have you been? Yeah. But it was necessary. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really weird situation. Yeah. Because... I've been in similar situations where someone is saying, hey, and let's do this. And I'm thinking, well, I will if I trust you. Because, you know, <laughs> I know a lot of people who will claim they're really careful. And then I hear details and I'm like, uh, you're not doing my definition of really careful. No, dude, it's it, that's I was trying to make this point to so many people because like I, I would use myself as an example. I'd say, like, look, ask me, you ask me if I've been isolated. I'd say, yes, absolutely. Until you see what the little asterisk is. Well, what's the asterisk? Well, I don't know. I've been in and out of hospitals. Wait, what? Yeah, I've been to the ER multiple times. I've been to hospital, doctor's appointments. Wait, okay, well, that's really risky. Well, I wore masks. I cleaned my hands. Everyone there was wearing masks. I don't go into the ward where they have COVID patients. But, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but but I, I'm talking about... Uh, uh, someone you know sort of distant in my life yeah. was claiming to be very careful and then uh, at some later point revealed that they were regularly 
socializing with people. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, and probably not oh. with masks. So there, yeah. it is fine, you know, but their version of really careful was, uh, and I think this person even said this, was like, well, I really trust these other people. These are good. <laughs> these are good people. And I'm like, that doesn't mean anything. Good the people. The virus is like, ah, more hosts. Oh, God, they're good people. Yeah, <laughs> right. And so, but according to this person's definition, they were being really careful. And in my definition, they were being the opposite of really careful. Yeah. So, yeah. so okay, what do you do when you, you know, we have a partner? Well, me and my wife, uh, luckily, agree a hundred percent on everything when it comes to this. We both are on the hmm. spectrum uh, of carefulness, definitely probably in the top one percent of careful. We are still uh, doing all the things, you know, you mm-hmm. name it, you know, wiping down groceries, uh, avoiding everyone. Uh, if we do see people, it's staying outside with masks, masks on, this kind of thing. Now, we have the luxury of doing that because we both can work from home. So there's that. I think for some people, it's like they don't have that luxury, so they have to sort of give in. And then they're like, well, if I'm going to hang out at work with 50 different people coming in and out of the office or whatever, you know, I could I could hang out for a Super Bowl party with these five people. I mean, it, what's the difference really, you know? So, so for me and Stacy, we've had the luxury of just not having to make those sacrifices, and thus, right. this whole year we've been. Now, are we uh, are we happy about it? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, is it? Uh, am I? Can I? I cannot wait to be inoculated. I have all these plans in my mind. I'm like Aria as I fall asleep every night. Instead of naming all the people I want to kill, I'm going. I'm going to go to that restaurant. I'm going to hang out with that person. I'm going to do that thing. I'm going to go shopping. Like <laughs> one of the things on my list is I want to buy a 12 string guitar. I've never owned oh, a 12 string nice. guitar. I don't want to go to guitar center because why take the risk yeah. for that little thing? But once right. I'm inoculated, you know, that's on my list. I'm going to guitar center. I'm buying a 12 string. <laughs> awesome. I also want to want to buy a, a, a butterfly uh, Gibson. Uh, or hummingbird, Gibson, sorry. And um, there's all these plans. Anyway, so I have at least 15 restaurants with specific dishes that I'm going to get. (laughs) So, you know, uh, now, you know, some people might be like, well, you're being like too careful. Um, I just really just don't want to take the risk. And I, I, you know, I went through a lot to avoid being infected yeah. And I and I keep saying, just hold out another month, hold out yeah. another few months, and then, then you can go back to normal. But anyway, I just hope yeah, that no. everyone anyway tougher bluff. You don't want to run a marathon and stop at the last. Right, that's what it feels meal. like. It feels like <laughs> I, I've I've ran the twenty miles, and someone's on the sideline saying, you know, you could just stop yeah. if you wanted to, and it's just like, no, I'm gonna see this thing through. <laughs> Yeah. You know, imagine, and I keep imagining, it's like, what if I loosen and I get sick at the very end? I'd be like, why didn't I just be loose the entire time and get sick yeah. at the beginning? You know what I mean? It's like... Yeah, what a waste. <laughs> yeah, it just seems like a total waste. Anyway, uh, tougher bluff, Birdo. Podcast during the t- pandemic. So uh, there were some differences. You know, after the pandemic, podcasts got more popular. Did you know that? I didn't know that. So, Tougher Bluff, Birdo, in 2019, so that's before the pandemic, 
per year, there were, in that year, there were 55,000 new podcasts in 2019. Tougher bluff. Whoa. 55,000 new podcasts in 2019? Yeah. New podcasts. 55,000? No. Bluff. What do you think? It's it's actually, it is bluff, but it's 318,000. What? Yeah. How? Oh, my God. Well, you don't listen to podcasts, so you don't know. I guess not, but that's a ridiculous number. Yeah. Uh, We're talking... Everyone has a podcast. We know? got in. We got in before the flood. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. In two thousand eight, um, I remember there was. Oh. Well, two thousand six when it was when I really started listening to podcasts, and I remember there was there were so few even listenable podcasts. Anyway, in twenty twenty, so this is after the pandemic, during the pandemic, uh, there were eight hundred and eighty thousand new podcasts, almost a million new podcasts. <laughs> Tougher bluff. <laughs> Oh, well, that is, uh, that is growth. Um, 300, that's about double, a little over double. Sure, I'm going to go tough. That's a crazy amount. Yeah, it's tough. Almost a that's... million new podcasts. Wow. That's 17,000 new podcasts every week. That's, that's got to be like one a second or something. No wonder I couldn't find a, um, I remember when the pandemic started, I was trying to find a microphone that's a common podcasting microphone and it was sold out i was like what's going on is everyone trying to podcast (laughs) oh yeah 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 (laughs) so i i think i told you about this uh you and i were trying to buy because we were starting a youtube starting to do more youtube stuff yeah and so we're trying to find a video interface for for better cameras and there was this one that that everyone was using the yeah the the cam something or other right yeah Oh, and, the, the the interface, yes, and it was sold out. Yeah, yeah, and, and <laughs> you couldn't get it anywhere. And I ended up buying it at like at like three months later at like five times the price because oh someone was God. someone was selling it. You know what I mean? Jeez. And uh, I remember just being like, "Well, I guess I got it." Um, all right, half of the new podcasts are in English in twenty twenty. Tougher bluff. Whoa! Only half. 400,000. Man, I, I mean, I like that stat. I'm going to go tough because I want it. Yeah, it's tough. Wow. Uh, but what this says is actually that non-English podcasts are v- way more, you know, they're growing a lot f- faster. Because yeah. uh, if you rewind the clock five or six years, the percentage of English to non-English podcasts was, you know, very high. Hmm. Uh, largest for non-English podcasts growth was in Chinese, tougher bluff. Oh, um, I would go, I would go with Spanish. So I'm going to go bluff. It is bluff, but it's not Spanish. Uh, another guess. Okay, okay. Uh, it is then Hindi. Correct. Ah, oh, okay. A fourteen hundred, yeah, fourteen hundred percent increase. Wow. In podcasts in 2020. Uh, 700%, you got Chinese, Spanish, Portuguese, Indonesian. 300%, you got Japanese, Turkish, and Italian. Turkey is like really taking off. Apparently. When it wow. comes to podcasts. All right. Rank new podcasts by genre in 2020. So 1 to 10 is your, is your okay. gauge here. Religion. Okay. Religion is 5. Oh my God, exactly right. 
Okay. Self-improvement. Ooh. One. Uh, six. Oh, what? That's surprising. Education. General education? Okay, that's a three. One. But okay, close. that's one. Okay. Uh, news. Two. Nine. Nine? No one cares about the news and podcasts. Okay. Health. It's too slow. Health is two. Eight. What? Oh, man. Arts. Oh, uh, seven. Three. Wow. Oh, my God. I'm way off. Society and culture. <laughs> I guess four. Two. Close. Two. <laughs> uh, comedy. Um, what's left? Seven. Uh, correct. Seven. Leisure. Four. Ten. Ten. Business. <laughs> Four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, anonymous upper tier patron from Vancouver, BC, Emily. Anonymous upper tier patron Emily from Vancouver, BC writes How do I deal with people criticizing my personality? I am an introvert, and when I meet people, I have been called weird, creepy, and or socially inept behind my back. The last one may be true, socially inept, but I am just as har- I am but I am just a harmless person trying my best and it is extremely di- extremely hurtful to hear that people think of me as weird or creepy. Berto, what do you think? Wow, first of all, I'm sorry about that. Uh the fact that you found out is interesting because I'm, I'm wondering how, you know, did you someone you trust tell you this or did you overhear it? Did you, like it's 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 interesting. Um I'll say uh when I was young, I was walking up the stairs at my grandma's house one time, and I, the grandma, I had two grandmas, as many people do, <laughs> but I lived with one grandma, and the other one I would visit. It's the one I would visit. And I was walking up the stairs, and I overheard her maid talking to her, and she was saying, that that boy is insufferable. It's such a pain. He's so demanding, blah, 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 all these things. Um, and she was talking about me. <laughs> And I just stopped and I, I didn't keep going up. And I was like, oh my gosh, what now? In this case, um, I don't know. I, I probably was being too demanding and all these things, but it was not fun hearing such negative things. And I'm a kid too, you know? Um, so that, that was hard, uh, but I didn't do anything about it. I didn't talk to my grandma. I didn't talk to my dad. I didn't talk to anyone about it. Just kind of kept that little nugget inside. And I'm, well, I'm well, sad. In, in relation <laughs> to Emily's question, should you have? Yeah, definitely. So I think you're doing the right thing, first of all, by airing it. Because, you know, you're talking to someone, at least, virtually. I would talk to someone for real. Like, you you must have someone in your life that uh, maybe the person who you heard this from, but maybe someone else, that you could just talk about it. And oh, with no agenda. Just, like, explain what you just explained. You don't have to justify yourself. You don't have to prove that you're not. It doesn't matter. Just uh, because I found that as I grew up, talking about insecurities and things that people said or whatever was very helpful, actually. Uh, that's, that's one thing. The other thing is you might not be in an environment that's healthy. Like, I don't know what this is. If it's at work and that's the way that people are talking and stuff, man, I don't, I, you might not, I don't know if you have the freedom to try a different environment, but I personally have found that I have, in my past, stayed too long in an unhealthy environment. And if I could do it over, I would have left sooner. Yeah. Anonymous listener said, your D&D episodes are a blast. I absolutely love 
that you are spreading the good word of tabletop RPGs. I am a professional RPG writer. Thank you for being my favorite YouTuber and a fellow nerd. I've always wondered if role-playing and therapy could somehow be unified and used as a tool in therapy. End of email. Well, yes. So in those episodes, Anonymous Listener, where we are playing Dungeons & Dragons, we are actually working with Adam and Adam from Game to Grow, which is a nonprofit organization of which I am president of the board and have been for a number of years, that part of its mission is to use games and primarily Dungeons and Dragons in the therapeutic context. We train people, we do the therapy. There are dozens of kids uh, and young adults who come to group therapy And instead of uh, sitting around talking about feelings, which not everyone is comfortable with, we play Dungeons and Dragons and talk about our feelings. So uh, in those episodes, uh, Adam and Adam are demonstrating that form of therapy. If you want more information, go to gametogrow.org. You can sign up for trainings. You can just learn different things. There's a lot of different things you can do. And you could even, if you live... In the Seattle area, you can actually even join the groups or have your child or young adult child join the group. We're also expanding to other cities, so in, you might see it in your city one day. And there are people that are trained in this uh, around the world, and you can go to GameGrow.org to find those people, I believe. All right. Listener Allison from Vancouver, I believe maybe Washington, no, sir. Um, hi, Dr. Honda and Umberto. You two have great chemistry together. I could listen to you talk for hours and hours. And from what I've gathered on the podcast, you have been friends for many years. So I'm curious, can you recall the first time that you met each other? And how did you become friends exactly? Berto, what do you think? Oh my gosh, such a nice email. Thank you. (laughs) Um, Well, yeah, of course. We've talked about this before. Uh, I went to an event uh, with a friend of mine, uh, Shun, and it was a uh, what, what was the name? It's um they they traveled to Japan to teach English. Yeah, what well, was that called? I don't know. It was yeah. an organization of Americans who go to Japan to teach English. Yeah, yeah. And so it was uh, at a restaurant that had karaoke, uh, karaoke. Well, it actually didn't have karaoke. It uh, they brought... they set it up for the event. I yeah. Guess. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I went along just because, you know, I, I usually get invited to things. And I, I went along. It was fun. And, sh- and I love karaoke. So we started singing. And uh, one of the people that was there was Kirk. And he went up and um, sang, uh, what was the song? It was... Uh, I think it was a stroke song. A stroke song. It, it could very well be a stroke song. Yeah. I, I felt you might have done New Order, but you, you're probably right. It was strokes. Yeah. Anyways, and I was like, oh, great. And then he sat down and we started talking. And he's huge into music. We were huge into music. At the time, Shun and I were playing music together. And we were like, hey, we need another band member. Uh, can you play anything? And Kirk's like, I can play keyboards, which is totally underselling what he could do. <laughs> um, and we're like, okay, cool, cool. Uh, and we just kind of geeked out on music. We had him send us... Oh, actually, we just said, like, sure, you can join. And then he mentioned that he wrote songs. By the way, totally, totally played it down. He's like, oh, I write songs too, like as in... Because we'd done this before. We'd meet people and almost every musician at some point or another has played around with writing songs. 
But, you know, 99% of them have like one or two songs. They're not that good or they're, they're fair attempts, but that's where it ends. So I just assumed that was the case. And then Kirk sent over a couple recordings and I was blown away. I was like, wow, this is really good stuff. So we gained an amazing uh, bandmate and musician, but more importantly, I gained a friend. Yeah. Well, so that's how we met. But how did we become friends? Because, you know, we could have just been band, you know, plenty of bandmates don't become, we, you know, we became best friends very quickly, right? I think, so from my perspective, we started going out and we had a good little dynamic when we would go out, like you would dare me to do things a lot. (laughs) 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 And we, you know, we have similar sense of humor. Um, I think people become friends with the little moments, the yeah. little moments that you share. And yeah, that, that's, that's the narrative I would have too. What I would say is we're both obnoxious, <laughs> yeah. you know, like uh, there are certain people, <laughs> like all my best, like people don't know this, but Bob uh, seems like a very mild mannered person. He, he's very obnoxious. He, when, <laughs> when, especially when we were younger in our twenties, and we'd go out like uh, Berto and Bob are two of the most obnoxious people that I know. And some people, you know, they don't rub, <laughs> they don't rub everyone right. Let's just put it that way. Uh, some people they rub wrong, but to me, uh, I'm obnoxious too, at least kind of. And I, I like obnoxious people, people who are extroverted, people who like to joke around, people who are happy, people who like to do things, people who like to talk and get in arguments and and take risks and Berto uh, and I uh, instantly found that we were uh, two peas <laughs> in a pod in that way yes and yeah became very close friends after that um, all right let's take a break and we get back let's do a bunch of short questions that people submitted Ooh. on discord what do you say Berto I love it All right, so Berto, back from the break, favorite thing in your office? So I forget who Ooh, submitted yes. this question, but someone wanted to know, favorite thing in your office, what is it, Berto? Oh, I thought about this a lot. You know, there's a lot of touching things. You gave me some beautiful lyrics over there. I have beautiful artwork. I have my guitars. I have, But I just, I wanted to keep, pick, keep it to one thing. Uh, the artwork from our f- mutual friend, Jen. Yeah. Yeah, because it is uh, something I commissioned, and it is uh, meant to be a representation of musical notes, kind of in chaos. Uh, and it's in my where I record music, where I do the podcast, and and everything. So, you know that that brings me some amount of energy, creative energy. Yeah, for me, it's my Gibson acoustic that is behind me. I love the sound of the songwriter twenty sixteen, and. It's my favorite thing. Nice. Uh, favorite guitar solo, Berto? All right. I also thought about this a lot. I picked the first, not the last, but the first comfortably numb solo. Okay. It's a short solo. It's the one that happens. So there's the longer one at the end, which is also interesting, but it, I think it dawdles a little bit. But the one in the middle of the song, you know, like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's glorious. It's so, so nice. The yeah, tone it, is beautiful. Well, and as I actually have a favorite, but uh, I, I have a lot of honorable mentions. And as you mentioned that, I, th- I think it's not just the solo itself. It's how you get to the solo, mm-hmm. the, yeah. the build up yeah. to the solo. 
So I have several, and all of them give me goosebumps, and even just reading this list gives me goosebumps. And if you want to listen to any of these solos on your own, make sure you listen with good headphones and at a good volume. Don't break your ears, but don't listen on your stupid phone speaker. Too many people are listening to music on their phone speakers these days or their laptop speakers. (laughs) Do not do that. Uh, Do not uh, sully these solos. (laughs) Don't solo sully. Okay, so my favorite of all time, and it was hard to choose, and this was asked on Discord, is Brian May at the end of We Are Champions. Yeah, yeah. Um, Great choice. I almost went Brian May. Yeah. It is, I mean, gives me chills this thing about it. It is a perfect guitar (sighs) solo, and I remember loving it when it came out when I was like six years old or something. I, I just remember that song was so big at the time, and that solo was such a part of my life as a, as a child. Uh, honorable mentions, Lindsey Buckingham uh, of Fleetwood Mac at the end of Gypsy. It's actually not... You, people wouldn't necessarily call it a guitar solo, but it is a yeah. guitar outro Yeah. that, again, when I heard that at the age of 11, I loved Gypsy as a song, and I watched the yeah. video over and over again, and I that the ending is just... I love... So I've written a lot of songs where... The solo, I'll put it at the end. Mm. And uh, same with uh, We Are Champions. You barely hear the guitar at all throughout the whole song. And then, boom, the the solo comes in and it it ends it. Similar with, um, uh, of course, another great one that I want to honorable mention is uh, Jimi Hendrix and Little Wing. The, 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 he, he, you know, and he is walking through the clouds. And he does two verses. And then at the end of the second verse, it goes into a guitar solo, and then it fades out. So you got this impression like he did a longer solo, but it faded out. Um, Along those lines, Steve Ray Vaughan covered Little Wing and did like a 10-minute version of it, and it's all instrumental. That's another runner-up. Another one is Neil Schoen of uh, Journey, Don't Stop Believing. Same thing. The guitar solo comes in... um, Later on, you know, in in the in the in the song, uh, slash in Fields of Joy by Lenny Kravitz, beautiful guitar solo. I don't know that one. Fields of Joy, that album. It's his second album. It's so good. Okay. Uh, Billy Corgan, uh, Smashing Pumpkins, at the end of Snail, similar. The, Ooh, yeah. uh, the the guitar solo comes in as they do a meter change at the end. Such a Snail was my first. Uh, I fell in love with Smashing Pump- Pumpkins, mm. the first album, Gish, when I heard Snail. Uh, Nick Valencia of the Strokes on the Modern Age. Um, I'm in a Strokes cover band, and I have seen that our guitarists, our two guitarists in my cover band, are excellent guitarists. And I saw how hard it was to play this <laughs> uh, guitar solo uh, by. Wait, which one is it? Which song? Uh, Modern Age. Oh, so okay. yeah. it's a boom, you know. Yeah, Flying yeah. overseas, no time to tell the breeze. I took too many varieties, and then <laughs> there's this. It's like a it's a thirty second note constant <laughs> thing, you know. You know, and uh, but it's a it's a great yeah. guitar. Song. And Prince live on "Where Ooh. My Guitar Gently Weeps." Google oh. it, people. It's it's at the end of his guitar solo. He's playing with like. Uh, like George Harrison and stuff, I I think. Or maybe it was actually a tribute to George Harrison. Anyway. Wow. Uh, Prince is playing 
uh, on my, why my guitar... Prince is one of the best guitarists who's ever yeah, lived. Yeah, absolutely. At the end of his guitar solo, and this is the, the grand finale, Yeah, he, you have to see this, Berto. He launches his guitar in the air, uh. and you never see it. He, 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 just, he doesn't even look. He unstraps his guitar in a split second uh-huh. and just you know launches that real cool looking guitar that he has. Yeah. He just launches it seemingly like three stories high. You never see it land. <laughs> and so there's all these theories as to where the guitar went. And yeah. what the leading theory is there's a tech that works with Prince and knows <laughs> where he's going to throw that thing oh and God. catches it when it comes down. You know Holy what I mean? Crap. But anyway, you you have to Google it. While my guitar gently weeps, live Prince solo. Oh Got to do it. Um, all right, and Discord Rowan. Now, 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 sorry. Technically, so isn't the uh, the soul? Isn't that called "We Will Rock You"? I know it's kind of like the two songs are always played together, but it's the "We Will Rock You" part, right? Yeah, uh, they're, they're yeah. two songs. They yeah. are just mixed together on yeah, yeah. In, in frequently, but actually, they originally they were on different sides of a 45. That's what my brother had. It was a single um, and a double-sided, you know, double, excuse, anyway. Um, Discord Rowan, he asks, what is your favorite emoji, Berto? So I I thought about this because I do use, so I use uh, angry face cut cursing a lot, but the one I do the most is actually one that, th- there's not really a preset one, but I do the large O dot small O, which is like big eye, small eye, uh, indicating yeah, I think you, like... you think you did that to me last night when we were yeah, playing Yeah, probably, we playing which Valheim. is like, whoa, it's like a, whoa, I'm, that makes me go loopy, what's going on? <laughs> um, and I love doing that one. <laughs> so, I don't have a favorite emoji. I, 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 like, I like emojis... But I, I, my emoji, I'm old, and my emoji game is not good. Like, you have better emoji <laughs> game than I do. Like, it takes me too long to find them. I'm never quite sure, is is this appropriate in this situation? <laughs> so, if I had to answer, I'd say... You're like, poop. eggplant, squirty, <laughs> and you're like, yeah, I'll be there. What? <laughs> like the um, It's Always Sunny episode. Yeah, It's Always Sunny. <laughs> Come on, D, you're too slow. Um, Allie on Discord... I believe she was the one that won our Christmas show, uh, mm. Allie. She says, what toppings belong on pizza and mm. what cannot be on pizza? Berto, what do you yeah. think? Yeah. So, it's funny. Uh, <laughs> when I was uh, not a vegetarian, not a vegan, uh, I would do Hawaiian. That was my favorite. But I would add some jalapenos in there. And I know a lot of people are like, you can't put pineapple on pizza. Well, that was my favorite. Um, and then now... I would do mushrooms, spicy peppers, any spicy, the spicier the better, olives, onions, and still pineapple. I'd still add that pineapple in there. But what I will not do, I will do anything for love of pizza, but I won't do that, is I won't put uh, like the meat lover stuff. I didn't even like it back when I was eating meat. Like, so, all, you know, when they pile like all the meats and stuff, I'm like, oh, that always made me ill. Interesting. So for me, Which of course is. so for me, I know this is a terrible answer. It's much less interesting than yours. Is I I love all toppings. Uh, uh, you know, pineapple and anchovies, meat lovers, like all, uh, really anything. I mean, I I don't like it when they have cooked tomatoes. Um, oh, or really, yeah, any kind of full tomato, any kind of full tomato, or 
when sometimes they'll make like pizza or uh, taco pizza and they'll put like uncooked lettuce on the top. I'm not a fan. Yeah, I'm with you. Okay, if I'm answering from that angle, anything that falls off easily off the pizza, don't do it. Yeah. Or just some things that, I don't know, just doesn't, it doesn't reside in the same category of food, you know? Yeah. Like, like a, like a mushroom, it, you know, it's soft, it melts into the cheese. Anything that you kind of have to throw. Broccoli though? Broccoli. Yeah. Yeah. You have to cook it a lot for it to. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But the one thing that I can say I am not a fan of is dessert pizzas. Uh, oh, I, I to, interesting. I, I it's, it's like just make a dessert. Yeah, like don't. <laughs> why do you have to make it a pizza? It's, it's like it's not a pizza. It's it's something else. <sighs> and when I was younger, before I was a therapist, I w- was a pizza delivery guy, <laughs> and I worked for Godfather's. And there was this one dessert pizza that was frequently ordered, and every time I had to grab that really? thing, I was just like, yuck. Ooh, but one of the best things about one of the best things about working as a pizza driver, and I was actually a dish, I was a dishwasher, and dishwasher. I, I made the th- I made the th- I was also a cashier in because you know it was a regular restaurant, uh, Godfather's, and uh, there would be mistakes. People would make the wrong pizza, or they would they would mess up on a pizza, and I was so desperate for money and food that um, I would. I would bring home, like, at the time, they had this, uh, you know how they have large pizzas? Well, this one is was even larger. Like, it was Extra really large. gigantic. <laughs> I, I, I think it was like, was it, I don't know, was it two feet across? It was gigantic. Jeez. Anyway, and I would make that pizza last for like a week and a half. You know what I mean? I'd bring wow. it home, I'd be like, okay, I, I, I don't have to buy food for a while. I just, you know, remember when you're younger and you just like... <laughs> Uh, you can't even afford groceries. Really. No, dude, dude, dude. I used to not be able to do leftovers. It was the weirdest thing. Leftovers grossed me out. Oh, and I don't know where la-ti-da, it came from. La ti da, la ti da. Probably from my dad or something. But I used to not be able to do any sort of leftovers. In my, to this in my day, ha- I can't do leftover pizza. Forget about. Forget about it. That's some of the best food. Leftover next day pizza. That's some of the best thing you can eat. That is weird, man. That is, that's some effed up stuff. That's some elitist Lati da Look at you with your Bogota diamonds and everything. Uh, uh, diamond Bogota hands. My mom cooking for six people in my family growing up, it was always an alternating thing where she would cook a massive amount of food the first night and then we always ate it again the next night. It was always leftovers. I mean, that might be... That might actually be why I, I I just there weren't ever leftovers, ever, <laughs> and so we always <laughs> ate whatever my grandma cooked that day. Period, and and I had to eat every like that was the other thing you can't couldn't leave food on your plate, so there were never leftovers. <laughs> all right, Berto, I'm going to leave this one to you because I don't know how to answer this. If if all of us were all the co-hosts were superheroes, then who would we be? All right, I thought about this a lot. I spent years planning this one. Uh, all right, so first, I'm going to start um, with Kirk. <laughs> you're Professor X, you know? You sit there in your That's little funny. chair. That's funny. So I, I, I took notes, and I only uh-huh. have one answer, and it was me and Professor X. That, that. <laughs> there you go, Xavier. That's that's right. So you, like, have your little mind control thing, and you control all of us. 
And he's, uh, and he's a legit professor. Yeah, he's a professor. And, and he's, he's a good, but, you know, he, he's a good guy, right? He's, he's a, good, a guy. good guy. He's level-headed. He talks. His biggest power isn't even his whole telekinesis thing. It's that he can talk to people. And so I thought, you know, that's appropriate. Yeah. Um, okay, I thought about Bob. And this is a little unconventional. And I think if you really follow this character, it won't work as well. But there's a character in DC called Metamorpho. Oh, Are you familiar with Metamorpho? No, let me, let me okay, Google him. Metamorpho can, can, his body can turn into any element. So like he can turn into mercury, he can turn into helium, he can turn into other things. But the power is sort of not the point. There was a comic that I loved as a kid and I ended up finding and buying it because I needed to find it. It was a Batman comic book, but Metamorpho made an appearance. And I got to tell you, Metamorpho's character was awesome. And it, it yeah. kind of makes me think of Bob because I've always, like when I hear Bob and actually more importantly, when I see people's comments about Bob, it's like, oh. So in this comic, Metamorpho did three things. One, he filled in for Batman when he wasn't in Gotham City. And he was like selflessly, just like he didn't want the credit or anything. He was just like doing that. Two. Meaning, meaning he disguised himself as Batman? Yeah, because he could turn himself into anything. So yeah. he, he looked like Batman. But so he was getting zero credit and yet he was crime fighting and saving the day and all these things. Okay. Number two, he almost sacrifices his life to save Batman and more importantly to save this one tribe that they were trying to save. Um, now granted, there's a little bit of white savior complex in this comic, but whatever. The point is, uh, and then three... He has the, like, he's the nicest, he's got the nicest attitude of any superhero I've ever heard. So anyways, that's why I picked Metamorpho. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I see some pictures of one arm is like ice, another arm, he's turned into like a a, a, a fiery hammer, and then yeah, just one, like Bob. <laughs> one leg is like a is like a knife, you know, like every, yeah. you can, he can change into various different things, whatever right. the, whatever it calls for. Yeah. Okay, Stacy, I went with Spider-Woman because Spider-Woman's uh, alter ego name is Stacy Gwen or Gwen oh. Stacy. Sorry, Gwen Stacy. <laughs> so I put the Stacy name in there, Gwen Stacy. Plus, you know, she she's blonde and she can do Spider-Woman stuff. She's and, not blonde. I, well, okay, she's light haired. How's that? Yeah, she's a redhead. <laughs> I know, but a lot of, you know, there's a lot of dark-haired superhero yeah, heroines. She, she's not dark-haired, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, for Lita, I added Lita into the mix, and then we'll oh. get to Colin and finally me. Lita, because I, I thought oh, I'll add her in. Wonder Woman, you know. Yeah. I think of, like, Lita. It's like, yeah, yeah I could see true. her wearing the Wonder Woman outfit and just yeah. fighting crime with her wrists. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Colin, I thought about this, and I was like, Nightwing. Nightwing. Do you know about Nightwing? No. Nightwing used to be Robin. He's one of the Robins that helped oh. Batman. But then he, he, he went out on his own. He like created his own superhero identity and became Nightwing. And he's a really badass superhero. That's, ah, so that's I, great. Yeah, I can see Colin as Robin for sure. And finally, so I thought about me. I'm like, well, so my superhero power, at least in the podcast, is I can morph into different things so at first i was thinking of metamorpho for myself and actually that could be a problem. but i thought also about the attitude and things like that and i decided that i want to be the green lantern 
because he's got the, the ring and he can create anything on the fly and stuff like that. Plus, when I was a kid, Green Lantern and Aquaman were my two favorite superheroes. Yeah, I loved Green Lantern and, and Iron Man as a kid. But I'm more of Plastic Baby. <laughs> <laughs> What's a Plastic Baby? So, did you ever watch Plastic Man? Yeah. And, well, there was... Just like all the 80s things, at one point, they added Plastic Baby. So they had Plastic Man and Plastic Baby. <laughs> and I'm Plastic Baby. So Plastic Baby was like annoying, like scrappy-doo kind of thing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. But he could mold into any shape, you know? Hmm. I don't know if I like that one. If I, let me think about, so who, who would I think you would be? Well, let's think about your, your qualities, you're funny, you're easygoing, you're outgoing, you're up for anything, you seem courageous, you know, you're willing to take mm-hmm. risks, uh, you annoy people sometimes, but people love you at the same time. Oh, are you going to Bruce Banner? <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, is there, is there, I mean, could you be the Joker? I could be a villain. That's true. But the Joker is a little too manic, too... Uh, yeah. Uh, but I like this direction. I could be a villain. Huh. Is there a villain who... It, like Two-Face? Like, you're not Two-Face, or but like... I could be the Riddler. The Riddler! Okay. The Riddler, because I love, like... Yeah. You know, you know yes. think about my jokes. My jokes are all intricate and layered and no one gets them. <laughs> <laughs> the riddles. <laughs> Picture this, Batman. If you find the cow with a missing head, you will have found your childhood. <laughs> this, is, this is when I invade your brain and make you stop. Um, now, you didn't do Rebecca, you know, art therapist. Oh, Rebecca. you're right. Okay, I'm sorry. I missed Rebecca. I'm thinking Rebecca. Ooh, Rebecca would be, uh, she would be in uh, Valhalla. She would be one of the Odin, like, so it's, uh, she actually, she could be the new, because the new Thor is a female Thor. Okay. So she could be, I don't know if they call her Thor or Thorina, but I think it's Thor. I think it's just Thor. So she's the female Thor. Uh, okay, cool. I think she'd like that. All right. Uh, Womple on Discord says, what is the J in Kirk J. Honda? Uh, it is Joseph. That is my middle name. Uh, what did I, who did I just find out was middle name Joseph? And I was sort of like, oh, that's kind of cool. Someone, someone famous, forget. Anyway, Parzival, or maybe maybe it was a superhero. Oh, oh Clark really? Joseph Kent. Oh my God, really? Yeah, I was watching. You know, the Joseph Zack Snyder. is his middle name. I was watching the Zack Snyder Justice League, the, which, the by Justice the way, uh, the fr- I've I only watched the first half hour. It's so much better than it's like the a rich- four hour special. <laughs> yeah, um, and they zoom in on the the tombstone of superman uh-huh. and it says clark joseph Kent. joseph i guess i knew that maybe but i think that's what it was I, maybe i sounds wrong. odd um clark parzival says do you actually enjoy reality tv or do you just watch it for the videos um i'll answer this uh honestly i used to hate or not hate but just ignore reality tv i i'm just i just never watched it i i watched a grand total of maybe three seasons and like one and a half of that would have been the real world back in the early nineties. It just, and honestly, I didn't watch a lot of TV until kind of recently either, but now that I'm watching it for the show, I like it. 
me and my wife will watch it recreationally, voluntarily. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it serves a purpose. You know, it's it's especially good reality TV if it moves quick, if the story is edited well, if the people are interesting. It can be actually really interesting to watch. Uh, Liana, she says, "What is what are your favorite tabletop games?" Berto, what, what are your favorite tabletop games? Like, does Monopoly count? Yeah. Monopoly! Monopoly is my go-to. I play it every Christmas with my family. It's very contentious. We've lost... Like there were, It takes too long look, to finish the games, though. Well, it does. So one of my friends... Uh, have you met my friend Paul? Anyways, for years, for years... Uh, he wouldn't play with us because of one year that I was being too much of a jerk. <laughs> and he didn't play for years. And finally, he had a coming back playing party. And Now, I think he might not play again, but we'll see. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, a Monopoly, definitely. Um, I also really love Clue. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> um, and then, you know, Settlers, Settlers of Catan, 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 Catana. <laughs> but my, I actually, I think my favorite all-time game is... It used to be called Shogun. Now it's called Samurai Swords. Have you ever played this game? No. It is amazing. I will, I, when this thing is over, we're going to play it because uh, it is like Risk, but it takes place in feudal Japan, and you have your samurai, and you have your ronin, and you have your ninja assassin, assassin and you're trying to take over land. Oh, it's so good. Hmm. Uh, yeah, for me, Settlers of Catan is my favorite. I play it with my wife and other people all the time. I, I even had an app on my phone and would play it whenever I just was wanting to kill time. I would play, I've played thousands of games of Settlers of Catan. I love that game. It's the perfect game. It, yeah, everyone who so plays great. it always likes it. It's the perfect length. Uh, there's random chance. You feel like you're getting stuff done. <laughs> yeah, know, it's it's a good game. Um, Splendor, which is uh, not necessarily tabletop traditional, but I love that game. That's what I play. I've been playing Splendor. Uh, I played this with you actually over over the internet one time. Um, love that. War of the Rings sounds like the game. It's Lord of the Rings, but instead of samurai, samurai and swords, Ronin, yeah. it's like you're in you know Gondor. Well, what's the one you played with? Like we played. That so was that's my Lord fourth. That's called Lord oh. of the Rings. It's a co-op game. Yeah. I love co-op. Uh, that was a fun. Games. It was so complex. Yeah. But it was so fun. Yeah. Once you get used to it, then it, it's easier to play. But anyway. Anne says, what's your least favorite non-offensive slang word that you hear your younger clients use? Well, Anne, um, I haven't worked with younger clients in a long time, so I don't really know. But I miss it. Uh but I don't really, you know, if I did work, with, one of the benefits of working with young clients is you learn about young people talk. And I don't like low key. Low key is lame. What's that? See, like low key. So uh, let's say that someone um, took some money from you that they stole some money from you. Well, no, that's too extreme. It's basically, um, oh, yeah, I know what it is. Someone uh, like me is telling you what superhero they think you are. And I go... Oh, Kirk is like uh, the penguin, right? And so someone would say, oh, he low-key dissed you, which is like, I dissed you, but not in the extreme. I like dissed you a bit. That's at least how I understand it. Right, so right, right. Why don't you like that? Why don't you like that? Um, 
because I don't get it. Like, why, why are we gradiating how much I dissed someone or how much something? I Can、see. we just be like, he did or didn't? Like, I'm binary. <laughs> I like computers. Get off my lawn. <laughs>、um, actually, now that I think about it, I don't know about clients because I haven't heard clients say this, but one of my least favorite young person slang is boomer.、Um, one, because、uh, it's always used in a derogatory way, and I've never heard it being used in a fair way. My parents are, are baby boomers.、Yeah. They're some of the nicest, most respectful human beings on the planet, and all my aunts and uncles. And all my parents' friends.、Uh, so, to just, just like on the internet, you'll just be like, oh, yeah, yeah.、Uh, what, what do they say? Hey, okay, bo- boomer. Okay, boomer.、Um, you know, in a little sense, I can get the joke. It's like,、um, you know, old person doesn't know how to work the VCR, or it's like,、right. how do you get on? Okay, boomer. You know, I get it. it it's funny, but it, it feels malicious. It feels mean. What's a VCR, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> it feels, it's ageist. And, It's the, to, to put it in a different direction, I hated it when people use the word millennial as a bad word. You know, oh, you know, millennials. Yeah,、right. And I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> that's ageist. Don't do that. And in the same way, I don't want millennials saying, you know, okay, boomer. It's like, now, if you say it to me and, and you just want to make a joke about it,、uh, fine. But don't talk about my parents in that way.、Right. Like, that's not cool.、Um, And there are people, you know, and I've looked at these Reddit,、uh, you know, comments where they're, they're just like, oh, boomers are always the Karens and they're yelling. And I'm just like, come on, people. You're talking about literally millions of Americans. Well, in fact, the most numerous pile, right? <laughs> yeah.、Uh, literally. Yeah. So it's like,、um, do you not understand that the five quote unquote boomers that you've experienced that were bad? <laughs> You can't generalize to the other,、uh, you know, millions of others. Like, is it possible that you just happen to know the five bad ones? You know, it's a, it's this, it, anyway. So don't talk about my parents that way, people. <laughs>、um, it, there's other words, like,、uh, uh, you know, for example, let's just take a, a, in a really kind of harsh example is you see a black person doing something bad. Instead of saying, Oh, those black people, which we all understand to be not fair, you can say, Look at that person that did something that was bad. Look at that、right. ridiculous person. Look at that person who,、uh, I don't know, just another word that doesn't, uh, doesn't uh, vilify an entire group of people because of their identity. If, if, a, if a baby boomer does you wrong, that's a human being that did you wrong, but don't. Don't throw all baby boomers under the bus because a baby、right. boomer did something wrong to you. That's not, that's, that's the definition of, of ageism, which is not cool. So, you know, I, I don't appreciate it. Again, as a joke, you know, like I had a supervisee that literally, as I was talking about this issue, <laughs> said, okay, boomer to me.、Uh, you know, that's fine. <laughs> But、uh, as a, as well, a, Overall, thing like、uh, maliciously, it's not cool. Imagine if a baby throws up all over you and you're like, okay, baby. Yeah.、Um, G says, can you think of something everyone in the world can agree upon? Birdo. Yeah, absolutely.、Um, I think everyone in the world could agree, can agree, should agree, that George Lucas should have made some Star Wars prequels. We could all agree on that. All right. Well, that does it for that episode of Psychology in Seattle. Everyone out there, please take care of yourself because. You deserve it.